to From A to Zigzag, a podcast featuring creative practices in Southeast Asia. Join me, Nadia Wang, as I speak to guests about the foundations of the illustrious careers and the decisions and happenstance that have shaped them. Thank you very much for tuning in to season one of From A to Zigzag, which focused on fairs and festivals. In the first season, we spoke with Renee Ting, founder of Singapore Art Book Fair, Tricky Lopa, co-founder of Art Fair Philippines, Tom Tandio, Fair Director of Art Jakarta, Natalie Hennedige, Festival Director of Singapore International Festival of Arts, and John Law, Managing Director of Wonder Fruit Festival. To launch the second season focused on creative partnerships, I'm speaking with Isa Lorenzo and Rachel Rillo of Silverlands, a leading contemporary art gallery in Southeast Asia that began in Manila in 2004 when it was founded by Isa. Rachel joined her as co-director in 2007. Now, they're about to open the doors to their gallery space in New York with two solo exhibitions, Martha Atienza's The Protectors and E.E. Lan's At the Roof of the Mouth. In this conversation, Isa and Rachel talk about how they each got their start in the art world, the zigzags they have gone through together with Silver Lens, and the exciting plans they are working on with their new permanent location. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Isa. How are you today? Hi, Nadia. Good nice evening. <laughs> and good morning. <laughs> so, yes, let's start at point A. Uh, could you speak about your education in school or elsewhere that planted the seeds for your creative practice? I'm going to go ahead. I um, have been an artist, trained as an artist, a lot of art history. Um, majored in photography. Uh, I studied in San Francisco at the Academy of Art. Um, and so um, our backgrounds in terms of art is, are very different. So I've, this is what I do. <laughs> Go ahead, Lisa. So I'm, I'm, I took a bit of a long route to get here, a very long route. Um, I did a medical degree in the Philippines after which I decided to um, not pursue a career in medicine, but I did take the medical boards because my mother reminded me that if plan B fails, I need to have a plan A, which can become a plan C. Um, uh, after that, I went and did um, tra uh, a degree, a master's degree in photography and media here in Parsons School of Design in New York. Uh, and then also did also really with a goal to become an artist, but that got sidelined by um, opening a gallery in 2004 in Manila. And now, 2008, 2022, we're, here, we're opening in New York. We had a brief but happy stint in Singapore, 2012 to 2016. Um, and yeah, we're, we're here. Okay, I, I see what you mean. You took a circuitous route, but I guess, you know, there are always transferable skills. So I wonder if you could talk about how, you know, your medical degree has served you in ways that you kind of like, oh, okay, I didn't realize I was doing that, but hey, it came in handy. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, they're two totally different worlds. I think that medical school teaches you like big life skills, like patience, um, analysis, being very detail-oriented, um, but also taking into account the big picture, what things mean. 
Because you know when you when you are when you approach a patient or a disease, there's so many factors that are involved, and you're constantly trying to understand what things mean. So, I actually run um, the business side and the artist side of the gallery, and I run it like a clinic. So it's very like um, structured and everything has a schedule and everything is written down there's a chart every every artist <laughs> has a chart every client collector has a chart um i have to yeah. uh, but i constantly have to remind her that no one is gonna die <laughs> say it's all right it's all right that's just emotions you know from artists yeah. you know because it's it's a um She's on the flip side of sort of the brain, right? Where art is so the making of it and the collecting, so in both ends, very emotional and very subjective. And there isn't a formula, say, to cure it or to, you know, to fix it. You know, it's it's you know what I mean. Yeah. So that's 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 what I use. And what do you bring to the table? Here, Rachel, you know, to balance, you know, Isa's skill sets out or yes, or you know, you know, uh, we're I realized after many years that um, uh, this gallery works because we're two very different people personally, I mean, personality based, different. Um, I I do the exhibitions, the um, art, taking care of the artwork. Get the exhibitions running, um, media. media, everything creative. So the things that you watch on social media, that's under my team. Um, so I want to say I do the fun stuff, right? <laughs> I think I think I I mean like between us, like I keep the lights on, and she makes sure everyone has food and a drink. So that's that's sort of the the metaphor of of what we how we split the tasks. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, you need that kind of like counterbalance. Um, I'm also wondering whether, you know, your work as a gallerist uh, for each of you have also given you something for your artistic practice. I think it was the other way around. The artistic practice gave us grounding for mm. running the gallery. Um, we run the gallery. We treat our artists the way we would want to be treated as artists. And we treat our clients and collectors the way we want to be treated as clients and collectors. So it's a very, I would say, um, you know, over the years, our clients and our artists, they've become family. Even the people that we work with, you know, like you guys, I mean, it's it's become much less a professional thing. And it's become it's become who you are. And, and the, you know, this is your this is your extended family. Um, but yeah, we would not have been doing this if we didn't start out as artists. I think a big thing also is um, dealing with uh, artist temperaments, right? So we know when to back off, <laughs> you know, and we understand where they're at in their, you know, I guess artistic cycles, because they do, you know, it does yeah. come in. in cycles. So. Yeah, because artists, I think people, when, when people see a finished artwork, um, they they just think it appeared, you know. It didn't. There's a there's a whole 
support system. Well, there's an artist, there's the support system, there's the studio, materials, um, you know, everything to make that magic happen. And it's invisible, this magic, like, like magic, you don't see it. Yeah, exactly. And I guess I want to backtrack to 2004, um, Isa. What made you decide to found this gallery? And how has it developed since then? I mean, it's been a long, wild, amazing journey, I think. Um, so could you chart sort of, you know, the its journey in broad strokes, including Rachel joining as co-director in 2007? Yeah, so I think... Uh, everything, all the good things that have happened to Silverlands from its founding to now um, were born of a crisis. So whenever there's a crisis, I really treat it as an opportunity. So the first crisis in 2004 was, um, as an artist, I wanted to find a gallery in Manila that I could work with as an artist. And I realized that there was no gallery that had professional support and structure. So I thought, no, oh, maybe I can do it. What a terrible idea. <laughs> but I did it and I kept doing it. And um, so that was the first. Um, put up, I put up a gallery in my apartment. Worst idea ever. Don't ever live and work in the same place. Um, Though it's really popular now to work from home, but when you have a, a, a business or a, a you know work environment where the public can come into your home, it's not a good idea. So that lasted six months. Looked for a warehouse space that was cheap, um, because you know a lot of warehouses are are big spaces and not they're not built up right. So found that. Um, invite, ask Rach to come in. She was actually the first show, the first artist to show in the space, 2006. Um, and then she ended up coming in full time, joining me as director, 2007. Um, remember the financial crisis? I don't know if you remember, but when Lehman Brothers crashed, 2008, that was terrible for the world. It was great for us. Because what happened is there was a flight to bring money back into the country and people started buying art. Art was considered uh, not just a not just something beautiful or something collectible, but also as an asset class. Um, so that was 2008. Um, same thing when Typhoon Haiyan um, hit the country, I think it was 2011 or 2012, people started buying art. There was something, something about the apocalypse makes people buy art. Uh, in 2012, that's also when we did Singapore, and it was very difficult, but we learned so much, and we made amazing friends, and that gave us sort of this germ, this this seed that we can do it outside of the Philippines. Yeah, I, I think it would have taken us a longer time to get here if it weren't for the stint in Singapore. Yeah, and then 2016, we had a big fire. Uh, as you know, our storage facility burned down completely, lost so much. I wanted to close and Rachel's like, what are we going to do? Why are you, why are you thinking of closing? And I, I just thought this is terrible, but you know what? It gave us sort of the, the encouragement and energy of our artists really gave us, I mean, we, we realized that we were doing a, we were doing something more than just showing art. 
So um, we moved into a bigger space, a better space, and um, yeah, and it's been good since. And then COVID, huge crisis, right? Um, COVID uh, opened the doors to our, I mean, just to a U.S. market, which we didn't even know existed because we never used to do anything in the U.S. But looking at our social media analytics and our website visitorship, as well as the studio visits that we were hosting from institutions and curators in the U.S., a lot of it was coming from here. So, so I think, I think um, basically the pandemic um, <clears throat> gave people time to look at the others, uh, people meaning curators, people meaning um, art audience, and I also made sure that our um, media team was beefed up, ready for the pandemic. I mean, that yeah. sounds like we, we tripled. We tripled our our media team over the pandemic at the, at the early days of the pandemic. And it, it was, um, of course, minus the the awful parts of the pandemic. I felt like it was such a great opportunity to have enough content. Uh, to put out there because people had time to listen. Yeah. And we were also sitting on like 17 years of content that we could reuse. So that was, that was really, um, I don't know, strategic, but we didn't know it. I mean, it's just, this is what we got to do. So yeah, so this is, this, the pandemic gave birth to, to Silverlands, New York. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like such a journey um, and, and I think you know hats off for how you've just kind of picked yourself up after I think the 2016 fire sounds just devastating um, and the fact that you kind of came back I think stronger because everyone was rallying around you it sounds like and you I think you realize even more how important your work as Civil Lands Galleries was um, and speaking about the pandemic I mean I was watching all that you were doing and I thought it was amazing that you were also like putting out all these really great content because everyone was thinking how do I engage with the audience and you guys just made such great use of your archives so speaking of beefing our media team um, could you talk about you know all of the people who work together to make Silverlands possible yeah, that's a that's a team. I mean, Rachel and I, we you're, we we are who you see, but we have we have an incredible team in Manila and now in New York. So we have about fifteen full time in Manila, and then we have four full time here in New York, um, and a whole army of other freelancers, video people. Um, photographers, writers. writers, oh my god, our artists, they are such a big part of our team because yeah. they've, they really embrace what we're doing and they understand that it's necessary, which is so great because can you imagine if they weren't on board? <laughs> and it happens, you know, sometimes artists don't want to engage, um, but we've been very fortunate. Yeah, so we have sales people, we have a sales, a very strong sales and exhibitions group. We have a very strong media team. We have an accounting team. We have like a baby army of art handlers in Manila. Um, here we have a director, Katie Aquaro, and then we have Angela Guevara, who's our operations person. They have an assistant, Joseph, and we have an intern, Maia. Um, but I feel like this, you know, we're constantly changing, adjusting, we're constantly reviewing 
and, and seeing how to make things better, what works, what doesn't work. So running a gallery is a very, I think it's a very dynamic um, job, especially since it's not just what you do on site, it's what you do online, um, that's what Rach does, it's what you do at the art fairs, it's what you do, you know, biennales, triennales, getting artists out there, collaborations with other galleries. And people don't realize that there's just so many moving parts. So I think it's a, it's a plus that we are willing to pivot every, I don't know, every, every month, show. Every show. Um, maybe it's the nature of being Filipina. You know, in the Philippines, it, every day is um, a, a surprise. Sometimes good, sometimes not so. You know, with storms coming in, with um, earthquakes, earthquakes volcanoes. Uh, employees and employees' families, you know, a lot of responsibilities and a lot of things that happen. And so we kind of, um, we try to be light-footed when, when we're doing, you know, the fairs, when we're opening up new spaces and just see how we can pivot according to um, the situation or our audience because it's everything's all new. And we like this feeling, actually. This yeah, like, super exciting. Oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen feeling. <laughs> It's like, oh my God, let's jump off the diving board. Let's see where we land feeling. Yeah, it's good that you are both on the same page. Taking all this risk, um, all this responsibility. I mean, it's not for everyone. So, yeah. Um, so speaking about opening a gallery in New York, I think everyone is so excited about it. Like, wow, you know, like a Southeast. I mean, not just like a Philippine gallery opening, but I feel like people are thinking a Southeast Asian art gallery opening in New York. It's like, Incredible because all we've seen is like the the wave coming into Southeast Asia, right? So we don't see it going the other way. So you're pioneers and we want to know what has gone smoothly and what has been more challenging. <laughs> um, hmm. Well, the internet is like incredibly fast here. So, so that's been amazing. <laughs> Plus, I mean, we count all the we count all the wins, right? Really, Nadia, we count all our wins and we reflect on all the losses. So, the wins, like what's going? I think you know, finding this space was a big win. Um, we we were really looking to to rent a space here, but when we saw the ticket prices of rentals, we're like, oh, forget that. Let's go back to the beach. You know, let's not do this. But um, I, a, a very wise friend of ours who's not in the art world said, why don't you look at renting something? I mean, buying something. So we looked at each other and we're like, can you buy that? And can we buy something? And then our friend's like, yeah, if you have money, you can buy anything in America. So I'm like, but we don't know how much money. Like, how much money is how much, you know. So, and it worked. We bought the space. Um, uh, we got in. Two things. We got in in the right time. It was early this year when when um, prices were really, really down. I mean, it's sort of like uh, people who needed the money just, you know, after the pandemic just needed it. And it's also because, I mean, New York is still one of the highest um, cities without with empty buildings. Many, many people are, are still working from home and they don't want to come back into physical spaces to work. But the, and the galleries here in Chelsea, a lot of galleries had moved to Tribeca, 
Um, so there, uh, so there's a lot of, of inventory, real estate inventory, but for rentals, there's not a lot for purchase. And this one, it really just, it kind of fell into our laps. Um, we gave uh, the realtor like a, a, a list, like a wish list of five things. And in three days, he came back with this space and it had all five things. You know, it was ground floor. It was a large space. It's about 250 square meters, um, very high ceilings. We have a skylight. Um, I mean, it was everything, right? So, and then when we saw the price, we're like, yeah, no, we don't have this money, but let's borrow. So even the borrowing, like we borrowed money through Singapore um, and we were able to get an even bigger discount because we paid in full here. So there's many things that, that just fell into, place. fell into place. Some kind of gallery god went, here you go. Yeah. You know, like just dropped it and it's like, so we couldn't, when we found the space, there was no turning back. Yeah. We just had to find a way to do it. Um, so yeah, so that was a win. That was went very smoothly. Um, the, the artists, I think the artists are so prime. Everyone is so excited and ready. Um, the renovation, because the, the space was pretty much turnkey. It was, it was already a space, it was a gallery space. We just needed to do some minor renovations. I mean, the previous gallery, they even left all their lights, Nadia, like $1,000 a piece lights. They left like, I don't know, 30 lights. Um, it was crazy. I just want to say, yes, I think Rachel is right. There's like some kind of divine intervention here. When we tell the same story to people from here, you know, the, you know, the art, you know, gallery people, they're like, they don't believe us. They're like, whatever. I don't know, liars. You know, I can feel it. They're like, but it's true. Also the reception. I mean, people, I mean, all the different, all our gallery colleagues from around the world have been so excited for us, so supportive. I mean, I feel like everyone celebrates that we are this door through which everyone else can enter. Yeah, this is and this is how we feel we, as well. We want to be that. We want to be this door. Um, the and even the museums, the curators, everyone. Yeah, is I, so I think that's excited. that's for me one of the big pluses is meeting people, Asian Americans here. Um, people from the diaspora, curators, museum heads, museum curators. I mean, there's a lot of us here. It's just there isn't a platform. There isn't, um, there isn't a lot of things that, that, that or we, we're not paid attention as much as we should be. So I think it's a good time to be here. Yeah. So the losses, what are the losses? It's so expensive here. <laughs> Girls, so expensive. So expensive. I think that's like the big shock. So we have to um, work smarter. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 the thing is it's very expensive, but it's super efficient. So it's it's I think this is what. I mean, like Singapore is also expensive, right? But people are relaxed. I mean, it's it's there's no like life urgency to just be moving all the time. Here, it's like your time is money. So they're not going to waste your money and your and their time by being inefficient, which is good. Um, so yeah, that, that's it. The cost, I think, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much it. 
So I, I guess now I want to ask, you know, I mean, you've worked together for so long. Um, what do you enjoy the most about working together and what less? So? Can I go first? Yeah, got, mine's more fun. Um, I enjoy, because she was a doctor, I mean, she was trained very, very differently, that she sees, um, like in a very basic, she sees artwork and artists very differently than I do. I have all this art history and, and sort of um, schooling behind me and I'm always like, oh yeah, I've seen that before. And she's always like interested in like, in like curious. curious. So, so I, I, that keeps, that keeps the conversation about things, um, about art, especially, I'm just talking about not the business, but art, very interesting yeah. between the two of us. So the, to put this in real terms, like I'm always the one saying, hey, take a look at this artist, take a look at that artist. And Rachel's the one saying, nope. <laughs> and people seem to think it's the other way around. People seem to think yeah. like I make the decisions about the art stuff, but I don't. It's mostly her. I make, I make like the decisions about, you know, the stuff that you can count <laughs> and the stuff that you can... The tangible stuff, that, those are my decisions. Her decisions are more the intangible stuff. And I think that it's a good balance. Um, and we enjoy doing different things, which is why it works. Um, like I would never, I never question what she does and she never questions what I do, which is very good for a relationship. And business. And a business, yeah. Well, not a business, I don't know. Sometimes I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like you've got it worked out. So I, I also want to ask, you know, what do you think has been the magic formula? I think you've kind of touched on it a bit, but what do you think has been the magic formula to keep Silverlands exciting for yourselves, your team, your audience over the past 18 years since it opened in 2004? Yeah, I think uh, the magic formula, the magic formula is we never talk about, can we sell this? I think that's the magic formula. Um, we always, we trust that the artists and our choice of artists have that, whatever that X factor is. Um, so that's one, I think that's a big one. Yeah. And we, <clears throat> the one thing that we constantly ask each other is if we're still having fun doing this. I mean, not constantly, but every time we do something like something big, you know, like this, or when we were in Singapore, or after the fire, you know, every time there's this markers, we're like, are we, are we gonna keep doing this? Do we really? Can we really do it? Are we in this? So if um, yeah, because no, we're having fun, we're having a good time. I think the minute like one of us says, I don't want to do this anymore, then that will be like an existential crisis, like. <laughs> Why? Like, you know, like we have to face that question together. So that, I mean, to put it in context, and I'm sure, Nadia, you do the same. This is what we do in or out. You know, there's no time limit. We talk about art. We, you know, we look at art. We go on vacation. We still look at art. Right. Where are we? We're in a museum. Right. I'm like, I'm going to go on vacation. I'm so tired of work. We go see art. So. <laughs> So that said, that we, we make sure that this is really what we want to do. Okay, I'm, I'm nodding because yes, I agree. Uh -huh. yeah, I mean, 
I was yeah. just telling you that I'm in Seoul. I I, I just want to see free. Oh, nice. <laughs> Lovely booth, by the way, um, for Silver Lens. Really nice. Um, and I, I guess the next question would be, you know, how do you plan to split your time among, you know, New York, Manila, all the art fairs, all the... We're going the to Singapore vacation. after this. We're going okay. to Singapore after this. Um, we are... The thing is, we already traveled so much. So New York, even before we opened the space here, we were coming here maybe twice a year because um, we have family here. Um, but now coming here to work, uh, we'll probably be here like three weeks at a time, maybe four times a year. And um, we have a very good team here. I think um, the idea is for them to be largely autonomous. We would be sort of involved in the, in the programming, but the day-to-day -day is, is, is hands-off. Um, the, the, the thing that I didn't uh, plan for was um, coming here and just fielding so many requests for interviews to meet us and it's not even it's not even people from here it's like Utameta Bauer sends like a list of people that we need to meet you know and they need to meet us so you know things like that so it's it's all no, of it's this so it's so great yeah it's all of this like good energy you know really really positive um energy from people around the world who we've known um, sending people our way so now we need to introduce those people to our people here yeah i think i think you're just filling this space that i think all of us were kind of waiting for but then no one had taken the plunge and, and you're it so it's yeah. awesome <laughs> and do you see you know this time like opening up a gallery in new york like do you see it as a slowing down a revving up or simply a clarity in the vision you wish to see through because you know you're talking about like opening a gallery it's really challenging but then you're also rather hands-off in some ways so what's how do you describe this chapter um i don't know it's it's definitely it's a whole new world it's a whole new audience um it is definitely a revving up but now we have more people and we can sort of um, step back and think big picture. Um, I'm always curious as to how people look at our artwork, you know? Um, just the, these access points is, is very exciting for me. Um, these gazes, like where are we from? I mean, they, I, I remember, um, sending out an email to some PR people explaining what South Asia means as opposed to Southeast Asia. <laughs> it's like, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm very curious. So we should do a part two where we're like, Nadia, oh my God. Or, you know, <laughs> what a disaster. Know. Hopefully not. Uh, fine. And I mean, it's good that there is someone they can go to to ask or you're there to like help, right? Because you don't know what you don't know. And, and that's another thing. You know, yeah. you know like, uh, well, and the flip side is you only know what you know, right? So, so like, even just being here, learning how people coordinate, do, do things like they, they have different words. Like nobody says priceless, everyone says checklist. 
you know so these little details that you're, that we're learning and like nobody sends out catalogs with prices it's like you know only if you're super special will you get the price list or the checklist so i'm thinking oh okay because in asia you know we're we're pretty we we you know because we want to know things right away right so here no you have to sort of like hold back so things like that and this is sort of it's interesting to me because it's cultural also um like here the number one thing you can have is access um and there's really a hierarchy of access uh which we're still learning so which keeps it fun yeah 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 so I wanted to ask, you know, if you could share a source of inspiration. I mean, I think through the pandemic, we all kind of clung on to things that could help motivate us, push us forward. Um, now coming out of it, right? Could you could you share something like a podcast, an Instagram account, a book, a film, an exhibition that has been particularly energizing recently? She's a pod. She's a podcast listener. I love 99% invisible because I'm a dork like that. Uh, just things that are interesting that may, you, you have no use for in life. <laughs> so that's my, that kept me curious. Um, you know, you get lost, like through the pandemic, you're like, what am I doing? I mean, not so existential. You just literally wake up and you're like, what again do I do? Like. And how does it matter what I do now that we're all like sitting around doing nothing and not knowing what the future is. So it's nice to sort of listen to other people talking about even weirder stuff, weirder than art, you know? <laughs> so that was my... Um, well, I, I... Something recent... Um, well, I really... I've spent a lot of time reading. Um, so, and... I um, I can't. I mean, I've re read a lot of books. I think that the constant is I read pretty religiously the New Yorker magazine. I've been doing this for for years and years, maybe twenty years. And throughout the pandemic, I was still able to read it, and now I'm still reading it. And I think it's just the quality of writing um, that constantly reminds me that you just have to be top of your game doesn't matter doesn't matter what you do you have to be the best at it and and it's tiring <laughs> but wow. is that your thing i'm like yeah. if i'm happy I'm, I'm good i don't have to be tough well i feel like if you're you know our time on earth i mean not not, not the sound but i feel like we don't have like an unlimited amount of time and energy so you might as well be doing something a you're good at and b you enjoy you know yeah. Yeah, agree. Um, agree with both. So looking back at your creative journey, um, individually and together, how have the zigzags led you to where you are today? Uh, lots of zigzags. Lots of zigzags. For me, um, because I, I grew up here, a little bit of my life was here in the States, um, I, when I decided not to make that the gauge of, say, owning a gallery or creating art or looking at art, then 
it became more authentic and it became looking at art and seeing art and meeting artists and doing the business became more authentic when that sort of when I push that way. yeah when you remove all your preconceived notions about art making and art you know showing yeah, yeah. and and you know and we all learn the same stuff right I mean from you know Europe and then America and then, but so it's nice not knowing it's it's nice not having uh, a lot of art history baggage that that's my zigzag which is um, I think I, I think the zigzags are what make life fun can you imagine if it was just one long straight road like going back to the answer about the the crisis all the different crises that we've we've weathered and, and zigzagged through that 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 those all of those were crucial and every single one of those I really you know I look back on them and I think um, it's just you know it's like if you're it's just different it just makes life more fun <laughs> I don't know I can't I can't um, say yeah. No, I, I think you know, the whole conversation has been about the zigzags. I mean, you you know, you were talking about how you've been pivoting, you adapt and you keep it fun. Um, and I feel like that has been the, I guess, the compass for your zigzags, like keeping it fun, keeping it purposeful. So my very last question would be, you know, what do you look forward to achieving in the years to come? Or if that's too much in, in the next year? Well, that we're still open. The door's open. <laughs> that we haven't made it into a restaurant, or, <laughs> which is okay. A, a Singapore, Southeast Asian restaurant, Singapore, Filipino, <laughs> Thai food. Um, no, I think, yeah, definitely we're here um, to increase, grow, widen an audience. Um, the, 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 the goal is to get our artists collected by major institutions and private collections and get the work seen by as many people. So, you know, the ripple effect gets bigger. Um, we also want to activate all our networks and all our partners, um, you know, all the galleries, all the, you know, the people like you, um, so we can, we, can, we can spread the message that we exist and we are good and you need to pay us attention. Um, yeah, I think I, I want to meet. I, I just want to meet more people. Yeah, it's nice to have um, a broader conversations. Thank you so much for this conversation. I mean, I feel like I've known Silver Lens for a very long time myself uh, through the years, and it was still illuminating. I still learned a lot about how you've operated, you know, your kind of outlook on life and work. So, thank you for the time together. Thank you so much for listening to From A to Zigzag and thank you Isa and Rachel for spending time with me today. If you'd like to catch up on Season 1 of From A to Zigzag or be the first to hear about new drops in Season 2, please subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram at From A to Zigzag. Till the next episode, bye!